Hello everyone and welcome to That Was Genius. This is a funny history podcast by Tom Berry and Sam Datter, exploring little-known stories and corners of the past. We'll get to the history shortly, but first, a couple of minutes of what we ominously call, quote, witty banter, highlights of our pre-recording chat, which usually ends up being mostly toilet humour. How are you? Very good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. Yep, just checking that I'm recording correctly. Good, good. Uh, I too am recording, hopefully uh, correctly. Yeah. Uh, Is that your mic check? <laughs> yeah, it's my burp check. Checking my burp burps coming two, out. Burp one two, one two, burp one two, one burp one two, burp. Checking the belches are coming out. Now you need to just burp a little bit of stairway to heaven for the true sound engineer roadie effect. <laughs> Is that right? Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a difficult riff, isn't it, to start to burp? I'll be it, honest it is, with you. Yes, I mean it would help if you knew the tune, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I kind of do. I, I sort of do, but I don't know it well enough to be able to burp it. Um, well, I think that's a blessing for us all, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I once farted. La Marseillaise. <laughs> uh, the start. The start to neighbours. Did you? I must have been about fourteen, and it just came on TV, and I just split my fart. It's beautifully done. Beautiful. It's like that. Marvellous. And you remember it to this day. Oh, it's a beautiful moment. Have you ever done that, Sam? Have you got any wonderful farting anecdotes that have stuck in your memory? Oh, only the one time when I ate so much chorizo that I did a <laughs> fart so bad that it the smell of it, it was a silent fart, and the smell of it was so bad it woke my wife, <laughs> who thought the house was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I was lit- literally I was banned from eating chorizo after that for months <laughs> how are you doing anyway Tom uh, I'm very well thank you yes very well grand beautiful ready to go had a roast dinner on a Monday because we forgot to take the chicken out of the freezer in time yesterday but it just means that you have a roast That's dinner a on a Monday win. how good yeah. is that and we're doing a bit of a test this week we we usually shop with Waitrose and the price of our shopping seemed to be going up. So I did a price comparison with a number of other supermarkets and was absolutely amazed at how much cheaper Aldi was. Yeah, wait, I mean, Waitrose, you came back and you chose an expensive one, didn't you? I mean, well, they must be expensive and exclusive because they hired you and you're not cheap. No, I know. Well, why would I be cheap? I'm, I'm special. You get very little for your hourly rate when you hire Tom Berry for something. I'm talented. <laughs> that's, all, that's what you get. Charisma. Can't put a price on that. Um, no. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it was quite interesting. So I did the click and collect with Aldi. So now we have things like Div Shower Gel, Up Your Buttery Margarine, <laughs> Fito's Breakfast Cereal, so it tastes less Ooh, chocolatey, yes. more Fiti. <laughs> Fito, Fito's Breakfast Cereal. Yeah. Little baby shaped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Packet of Wanker's Crisps. Um, nice. Yeah, chocolate gobflobs. This <laughs> is cho- chocolate hobo knobs. <laughs> <laughs> They'll do anything for money, won't they? That could be the tagline for for hobo for chocolate hobo knobs. Well, spaghetti herpes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, same tagline. They'll do anything for, <laughs> for money. Um, Faya becomes Vaya. <laughs> Yes. Badge to vag. That was the joke. Um, yeah. <laughs> just in case the listeners didn't get it. Uh, yeah, so we, yeah, we've been shopping at Audi. <sighs> nice. Very nice. Should we do a podcast? Let's do a podcast. We've got another podcast to promote, Tom. Bit of cross promo going on. Wow. Fantastic. Who's that with then, Sam? Tom, it's with the Partial Historians. And I don't want you to feel too insecure, Tom, but these are... Uh, Two history podcasters who actually have PhDs in history. Well, hey. I mean, qualifications aren't everything, but they are. Better they are something. Than us. <laughs> they are better qualified than us. But, but did they find Priapus, Sam? Well, Tom, they are in fact they are in fact a podcast, a funny history podcast, all about ancient Rome. So it's oh. entirely. Oh, damn it. <laughs> 
fucking watch goes off. Are they more off. professional than us, Sam, when they're recording <laughs> they promos? Might, they, might, they might just be. They might just be, Tom. They might just be. Yes, yeah, so uh, Doctors Radford and Greenfield. Oh, they're doctors, yeah. They are doctors. They're proper historians. And uh, yes, the Partial Historians talk about ancient Rome. It's a fantastic podcast. It's witty. It's very educational. I've listened to a few episodes. And I've had an absolute ball. They are, they are going through the history of ancient Rome in... Ex- exquisite detail but it's very 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 funny and you should thoroughly check it out here is a little promo for them you like ancient rome don't you tom oh i do like a bit of classical history sam so uh, take a little listen to this tom i think it's probably something you're gonna like hello hello this is dr rad and this is dr g and together we're the co-hosts of the partial historians we love ancient rome and all the quirks that humanity has to offer Our podcast combines analysis, discussion about sources, and a good dash of irreverence. As lovers of That Was Genius, we know you appreciate the humour of life itself. Join us for our narrative episodes as we explore the history of Rome from the founding of the city. Or drop by for our special episodes on topics such as historical films, ancient personalities, academic guests and our never-ending fight about Augustus versus Tiberius. You can find us wherever you listen to quality podcasts such as That Was Genius, and we're out and about on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And now, back to your regular program. And that is The Partial Historians. Oh, you can find good. them on YouTube. Yes, brilliant. I'll have to check them out. Indeed, indeed. Well, I have checked them out. I can thoroughly recommend them. And you will find them on your podcasting app of choice. But before you check them out, Tom, before you check them out, we've got our podcast to do. Hello and welcome to the big fat fucking 100 episode of That Was Genius. Oh! oh. Raises his back to the crowd. <laughs> Centurion. Indeed. Uh, I thought... I, Bat to the crowd. I thought you said back to the crowd. It was kind of squatting. <laughs> Look <laughs> at take my a celebratory back. dump. <laughs> crowd going wild. <laughs> do a shit. Do a shit. <laughs> Don't worry, audience. A hundred episodes in, we know how to do a shit. <laughs> yes, this is the Little History Podcast celebrating the big 100 in which Tom... Hello. And Sam... Hello. Discuss history stories on a theme each week. We decide the theme that we can advance, but everything else that happens is a surprise. And ordinarily, this would be a patrons-only episode. Uh, if you want to hear the rest of those, you can at patreon.com slash thatwasgenius. But we've decided because it's a big celebratory one, we're going to make it public. Good job. And, the, topic, uh, and the, the subject is 100. We've chosen 100 as the subject. A good idea at the time. It was. In retrospect... <laughs> Somewhat tricky. (laughs) (laughs) More tricky than you'd imagine, yeah. It was quite tricky. It really was. Very, very difficult. I mean, I went down several different routes (laughs) before I found anything worth talking about. I did as well. And my notes... uh, My my notes are broad and shallow. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) How I like my ladies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who's... It's my turn to go first. Why am I asking you? You never know. It's my turn to go first. Oh, well, how about I do a bit, quick bit of audience feedback? Oh, you can if you want. Oh, I've just got Alistair. Thank you, Alistair. Alistair said, I often listen to you blokes while I'm driving. I reckon I listened to the first 30 episodes in a few days while driving in America. He used the word blokes. I do he does suggest you? that he's Antipodean. Yeah, I wonder whether he's an Aussie or a New mm. Zealander. Um, this is, uh, it carries on, this is one... Intro, I'm glad I didn't hear when I was driving. This is the second time I've listened to it and was banging my head on the desk. I was laughing so hard. Um, that was the Brian Blessed one. Caribou? That was Brian Blessed yeah. fucking a caribou, yes. So he's- <laughs> From our episode, uh, Brian Blessed's All Ketchup Diet. <laughs> I can't even remember what the theme was that week. Brian Blessed, possibly. It was the moon, wasn't it? It was, it was Skies Week. It was Skies Week. Alistair knew who Brian Blessed was as well, presumably. So he might be he might be Maybe Brit. he's British. Yeah, he might be yeah. Brit. Um, yeah, that was all I had for you. That's the audience feedback. Nice. Well, that was uh, mercifully brief compared to last episode. <laughs> but we caught up on six <laughs> months' worth. We took an audience feedback Senecot and <laughs> <laughs> let it all flow. So, <laughs> that's a beautiful mental image, isn't that it? Was, wasn't it? So, uh, so, I started off, Tom, by looking at great unsolved crimes from Belgium, India, <laughs> and Israel. Uh, not necessarily all three, because that would really have. <laughs> 
tightened the noose. <laughs> because the emergency dial number, the number to get the police ah, in those countries, is 100. Clever. Ah, um, but it was all a bit murdery and not really uh, actually very related to 100, any of it. <laughs> no, okay. I also looked at the idea of the German 100, the long 100, or 12th which is uh, actually where our word for hundred comes from. I think it was called. I think it was hundred in uh, in old German. Okay. And it's actually the number one hundred and twenty. But that was about as interesting as it sounds. Uh, not fucking very, as it turns out. <laughs> is it? Is it something to do with? Like, is it like a baker's dozen thing? No, it was just a twelve base. <laughs> in the same way that clocks and months. <laughs> Discord, Discord, yes. Discord, take yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I found it. I found my topic. I found it in my safe space for ridiculous history and folklore. When I run out of other ideas, there's one place I turn to where I'm assured of a comforting welcome and a warming embrace. And you know what that is, Tom, don't you? I do. It's what the, is it, Tom? It's the gusset of your swim shorts. It is the, the gusset of my historical swim shorts, Japanese folklore. Oh, there it is. Japanese yes. folklore. <laughs> <laughs> behold, Tom, behold... The Sukomagami. I think you're possibly thinking of Shindogu, the Useless Invention Society. Oh, I think I was, wasn't I? I think I genuinely yeah, I think you was. Because <laughs> that was their theme tune. Yeah. That was how, wasn't it? That was yes, that was. That was an old British TV program that Kids. had contributions from a genuine Japanese society for useless inventions. But that's not what we're talking about today, Tom. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about Sukumagami, which I'm saying in the style of a boxing commentator because it's very hard to pronounce when you read it on the page. <laughs> and it's the ancient Japanese belief that household objects are rewarded or possibly uh, given their opportunity for revenge for 100 <laughs> years of hard and loyal service by being given a soul as their centenarian birthday present. Oh, brilliant. So if you have an object in your house in Japan that reaches 100 years old, it's given us, not always, but occasionally, it's given a soul as a gift. <laughs> From granddad. <laughs> you don't need it anymore, granddad. You're 99, you're about to die. <laughs> We're going to give it to the kettle. We're going to transfer you into this old pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> what? Who? What? Not in my day. Where am I? You end up with a pair of really racist <laughs> shoes. <laughs> So apart from racist abuse, how do you use the gift of life and sentience, Tom? How would a slipper? How would a slipper use the gift of life and sentience? Yes, moonwalking. That's what it would do. Oh, very good. Ow. That's a good option. Perhaps it could offer you some advice and potentially a, a discount voucher for a pedicure. <laughs> yeah. Guidance on how to avoid fungal infections. Yeah, just toes. slip some athlete's foot cream into your bathroom cabinet when you're not looking. <laughs> so how you use the gift of life, Tom, very much depends on how you lived your life as an object. If you were much loved and treasured, like, uh, for example, a cooking pot used to make tasty dishes your entire life, you might reward your former owners, your family, by providing limitless food for whoever is lucky enough to possess you. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It could be, it could be a real treat, that. Alternatively, you might have spent your life as a piece of cloth, being repeatedly dunked in water, rinsed, drained and hung out in the scorching heat, whilst being sung at by an out-of-tune washerwoman. In which case, <laughs> a murderous fucking rampage is in order, Tom. A, as we'll a see. murderous cloth. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, Tom, household objects use their newfound life to just behave like little shits <laughs> and annoy whoever is unlucky enough to be stuck with them. You would, wouldn't Much, you? Much, I imagine, like three and five-year-olds. I was about to say, it's what humans do when they first get a soul. Mm. <laughs> Become a little shit. Become an arsehole. Yeah, indeed. So, the Sukumagami uh, go a very, very long way back in Japanese folklore. They're first really represented and explained, though, by a guy, uh, an artist called Toriyama Saiken in his 1781 book, Hyaki Tseretsuro Bukoro. You did what with the gobflobs? <laughs> You dunked your chocolate hobo knobs in what? <laughs> a wheelie bin. <laughs> you filled a wheelie bin with spaghetti hoops. What? <laughs> with spaghetti herpes. <laughs> yes, indeed, Tom. Yes, indeed. Hyaki tsereture bukuru. 
is what I meant to say, apart from the <laughs> filling a wheelie bin with hobos, knobs and spaghetti hoops. Uh, and it translates as the illustrated bag of a hundred random demons or a horde of haunted housewares, <laughs> which is quite good alliteration for 1781. Yeah. Which is a big illustrated book showing dozens of beautiful and strange depictions of household objects being cunts. <laughs> <laughs> but the best description and explanation of these things comes from a book called the uh, Tsukumagami Emaki from around the eight. Why did I do this to myself? From around the 1830s, which opens with, it's told in the, <laughs> fuck my life, it's told in the Omyozaki, <laughs> another book. Where did you place the sofa? <laughs> right up my arse. <laughs> a tool, after 100 years pass, would change and acquire a spirit and deceive people's hearts, and it's said that these are referred to as Sukumagami. They can take on the appearance of people, male and female, old and young, the likeness of Chimiaki. <laughs> Chimiaki. <laughs> and the shape of Kuroyakan, which is the appearance of animals. Who's, who's Jimiaki? <laughs> Who's Jimmy Aki? Like he was a 1970s West Ham footballer. <laughs> Jimmy Hacky. He's running around <laughs> kicking people. I'm Jimmy yeah. Hacky. Double footed challenge. Jimmy Hacky. Oh, broke your Marvellous. leg. Marvellous. Marvellous. That's what Jimmy Hacky <laughs> does. Run it off. It's the 70s. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes with these things, you've just got an object, and sometimes you've got an object-animal hybrid, uh, particularly foxes and rodents who are seen as cunning and deceitful tricksters. So you literally end up with something that's uh, half flip-flop, half, <laughs> half fox. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's the potted history of these things, Tom. Uh, let's have a look at some occasionally very helpful, but normally nasty little <laughs> household objects that you're stuck with if you happen to collect antiques or not throw out your old cookware. You'll also probably notice, Tom, as we go through some of these, that like many Japanese folk legends, most of these items, most of these demons, could also possibly be classed as things to blame your stupid behaviour on when drunk. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to start with some of the really dangerous ones, Tom. The amazingly named Boroboraton. Boroboraton. Boroboraton, which sounds like an American monster truck. <laughs> or, or a Japanese robot car thing. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it's going to burn down Tokyo, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, it would, it might try. So the, unfortunately, it's nothing quite so exciting. The Bora Boraton is a possessed mattress or futon, which, which punishes the owner for years of lying on it by rising up in the night, picking you up and throwing you out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> which, Tom, is definitely why you woke up passed out in the corner of the room. Clearly, <laughs> clearly you just spent the night wrestling your demon bed. <laughs> And given the choice to making matters worse, the Bora Bora Tom will also lie on top of you if it can, uh, possibly suffocating you. Oh, wow. Uh, although, to be honest, frankly, if you're sleeping on a 100-year-old mattress, the bed bugs alone are probably evolved enough that they can carry you <laughs> off into the corner. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, in that situation, lying on a 100-year-old mattress, being triple suplexed by your own bed is probably the least bad thing that can happen. <laughs> so the Itan Maman, we've already mentioned, uh, it's a long white sheet that flutters through town in the wind trying to strangle anyone unlucky enough to get in its grasp. Or, Tom, if you like, it's just a cheat in the wind. No, genuinely, it tried to murder me. Uh, fortunately, I was just sober enough to wrestle it to the ground and show it who's boss. You can imagine it, can't you? You can definitely imagine it. Yeah, if you drunkenly wander through a washing line, you, you are in fact being attacked by an Itenma man. There is a common urban legend that the Itama man will attack the last child in any queue, which kids will usually use as an excuse to cut in line. And there are actually regular sightings still of Itama man to this day. Usually, Tom, unsurprisingly, on windy days or next to high-speed rail lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's the murder cloth. <laughs> Abumi Gucci, Tom, I think you'll quite like these, are the souls of riding stirrups lost in battle and they haunt the battleground where they were lost. Now, uh, given if you're on a horse, there's lots of people swinging sharp things at you, it's not uncommon for huge fields of stirrups to remain after a big battle. Yeah. And after 100 years, Tom, they grow hair and eyes and start to nip at the toes of anyone who walks nearby. Wow, and there'd be a lot of them, wouldn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting a hundred years for this moment. <laughs> Attacking you like an angry guinea pig or like a cat swipes at you when you come in the room. It, and it would happen all at the same time, wouldn't it? Because presumably mm. they would do... Hey, hold on. Who has owned these for a hundred years? It's nobody's owned them. They've just been in a field. 
Well, no, things can, things that still exist after 100 years can gain souls as well. Anything that okay. was once owned okay. and man-made. Okay. A big thing, you wouldn't want to be walking through that field when they've reached their anniversary, would you? No, well, absolutely. I mean, much like ticks, much like ticks you want to wear high walking boots to avoid being... Yeah, waders. your toes yeah. nibbled off. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I've been here 100 years and I'm fucking hungry. Stop it. <laughs> I like cheesy toes. Come on, lads. <laughs> Get your little baby bells out. Come on, let's have a nibble. <laughs> Give us a suck. Go on. <laughs> I'm going to stir it with a fetish. I'll only want your little, just your little toe. <laughs> Not even the big one, just a little one. Go on. Just a little, go on. Go <laughs> you on. You know you want to. Oh, yeah, slip it out that sock. Go on. <laughs> oh, look at you seductively taking your sock off. Oh, uh, what? No athlete's foot? <laughs> have you been talking to that fucking sandal? <laughs> What a crock of shit this oh, is. Right, off you. On your way. For good news, he's got a bunion. <laughs> <laughs> hey, lads, lads, lads. You'll never believe what I've done. There's an ultramarathon run <laughs> passing. I've just twisted the sign round so it sends him straight this way. <laughs> <laughs> Kids cross country. And I know there's lots of fat lads that can't run. <laughs> <laughs> They're seven miles in. <laughs> <laughs> They're well into the walking stage. <laughs> Who's hungry? <laughs> Who wants asthmatic fat boy toes? <laughs> <laughs> My favourite dance artist, right here, right now, right here, right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, marvellous. So, uh, oh, there's also various arsonist lanterns, but they're, they're fairly <laughs> obvious. Arsonist lanterns. <laughs> yeah, lamps that like to set fire to things. Oh, it's definitely a demon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just drop a flaming torch into my paper-walled house. <laughs> so uh, so those are the dangerous ones, Tom. Uh, now here's some of the stupid ones, because they're the ones we really want to hear from, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Bakazori are old sandals with arms, legs and one eye who <laughs> ride around your house at night on rats. <laughs> Insulting your footwear collection, Tom. <laughs> Before hiding behind doors waiting to trip up unsuspecting passers-by. Oh, that is brilliant. Galloping around <laughs> on a rat, <laughs> on a rat. Woo there, woo there, Nelly. What the fuck are those, brogues? <laughs> are you eighty? Those heels, fucking hell. <laughs> Onward, stallion. Sandal and deliver. <laughs> no, your money or your life. Uh, there's got to be a shoe pun there somewhere. Um, no, nothing no, coming. Isn't, no, there isn't one there. No, uh, Crocs. Carry on. <laughs> Similarly, Tom, is the... <laughs> this genuinely, even by Japanese standards, is a fucking stupid one. Uh, is the <laughs> Kutsusura, related to the uh, Bakazori, which is a shoe which rides around on a badger stealing fruit. End of story. It's a shoe. It's a shoe riding a badger which runs around stealing fruit. <laughs> What's wonderful, Tom, is there's no context given to this. <laughs> it's, it just it's like, is. Full stop, we're moving on. It's a thing. <laughs> uh, what type of fruit? Uh, I don't know. Uh, apples, pears, square bananas. <laughs> you know, some mad Japanese <laughs> mad Japanese fruit. <laughs> what a ridiculous creation. There's one for the doodle, though, anyway. That's exactly what I was about to say. You're making life very easy for me. Well, actually, no, you're not, because I've got to then draw a badger. Um, animals aren't my strong point for anyone who's seen my doodles. <laughs> However, I do a fantastic Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> Yeah, you I do. I quite like the Chuckle Brothers as well, pulling someone apart. I thought they were quite <laughs> yeah, accurate. The, the murderous Chuckle Brothers performing a medieval execution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marvellous. And if you want to see these doodles, you can find them at uh, patreon.com slash thatwasgenius. What's next, Tom? Oh, yes, I think you'll like this one. <laughs> next in the pantheon of cuntish demons is Ungaikyo, uh, which are mirrors that make you look ugly to destroy your self-confidence. <laughs> <laughs> or just a mirror. Because you're ugly. Yes. Well, <laughs> just imagine some old hag at home with a hundred-year-old mirror going, no, no, you're beautiful. It's just the mirror making you think that water-mono-brow combination aren't sexy as hell. Go get them, tiger. <laughs> <laughs> moving on, Tom, moving swiftly on. Uh, Casa Abake, Tom, an umbrella with one eye, one foot, and a penchant for licking strangers. <laughs> Uh, not much more to say about that other than that it's an excellent excuse when you when you accidentally open your umbrella in someone's face. <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? There is 
Yeah, there is it is. a logic yeah. somewhere in most. There's of these. a logic to almost all of these, the apart from the fruit stealing badger, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the fruit stealing shoe badger. <laughs> oh no, sorry, it's my demon umbrella. He's got mine of his own, mate. I can't, can't help him. <laughs> so the uh, the Casa Abake, the demon one-eyed licking umbrellas, also have a cousin called the uh, Uregasa. They're again umbrellas that amazingly, Tommy, and you'll be shocked to shocked to hear this, only appear on rainy and windy days. No. <laughs> what? And uh, and they have a penchant, Tom. The thing that they like to do is to stick you to the spot or try and pull you into the sky, like you know, an umbrella <laughs> <laughs> on a windy day. Like Mary Poppins. Or- Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> the Uregasa are also filthy perverts, Tom, with a habit of blowing up women's skirts. <laughs> Naughty umbrella. Bad umbrella. Operating completely independently of the man who's holding you as you push that woman's skirt up on the bus. Bad umbrella. Bad umbrella. Naughty umbrella. A lot of those in Japan, aren't there? Upskirters. They are. Mm. To be fair, they are, and they are poles apart, miles and miles apart. I was on the subway in Hong Kong a couple of years ago, and there was a sign in Hong Kong, like a subway safety sign, that said, Hold the rails. Let people on first. Do not take photos up skirts. The, th- the three things that they thought they should warn people about. The three things that were most important. Was... Hold the rail, let people off first. And stop looking up and women's stop skirts. stop upskirting women. It's the era of the internet. Yes. No one has to be hurt or abused. Yes, you can just look at pornography of tube passengers instead of actual tube passengers. Yeah. Somebody who's consenting. Uh, and you can, do it, you can do it on the tube. That's inception, isn't it? <laughs> you can sit on the subway watching videos of people upskirting people on the subway, except everyone's a paid professional and no one's getting abused. Uh, don't do that. It's still creepy as. <laughs> yes. Mashike Tom is a wooden spoon that likes to go around twatting pots and pans at 3am. Usually only seen in the houses of people <laughs> who have three-year-olds. calling <laughs> in the air tonight. <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) Turns a tap on. Also, Tom, usually uh, only found in the houses of drunk husbands coming home late and trying to make chips. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they always end up covered in bacon and sausages. And on fire. On fire. (laughs) Cheese toasties. Yeah, that that brings you back to university, doesn't it? Making drunk chips at three o'clock in the morning and then setting and then setting fire to your George Foreman grill (laughs) well wasn't there by leaving bacon in it for six hours there were big warning signs weren't there on those horrible microwave burgers oh yeah the ones that we got about 50 of yeah Yeah, we got about 50 of them free from Freshers Week didn't we oh I think you did I think I think even (laughs) I have standards I'm not not sure that's true (laughs) We once had a large chili con carne for breakfast and then tried to do a gym session. Oh yeah, that was that was bad, wasn't it? That was that was vomitful. Yes. <laughs> we were both sick in the gym toilets, oh, I think. Oh. Yeah. Still have horrible memories of that. Yes. Okiosa is a poor chap. He's a bucket that just wants to make sure his owner has fresh water all the time. So he's always full. Unfortunately, he's also always full of holes and just leaks all over your feet. Oh. <laughs> Again, drunk man coming home late at night. <laughs> Yes, just it's pissing, piss all pissing over the, all the outside floor. of a bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, it was Okiosa, my old, old bucket. <laughs> Damn you, Okiosa. You can't vomit straight either. There's a vomit all over the floor. <laughs> With bits of recently eaten cheese toasty in it. <laughs> and is that a drowned rat in a sand floating on top? <laughs> Knocked out cold by a projectile vomit. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's usually up at this time. I I usually ride around just insulting shoes. (laughs) He's just left a suicide note that says, My only regret is not having burnt those kitten heels. (laughs) (laughs) The strange goings on in a Japanese house late at night. I know. Oh, Tom, even better, the uh, the Okiosa is related to <laughs> the brilliant named Okipokan, <laughs> a bucket which, when picked up, farts loudly <laughs> to scare you away. <laughs> so why does it fart loudly? And then, no context given. <laughs> In these several hundred-year-old books, there is no context whatsoever. It's just a farting bucket, Tom. It's just a farting bucket. <laughs> What a gift to be given on your 100th birthday. 
After a lifetime of servitude, you're just given the ability to <laughs> fart. <laughs> oh, dear, I'm just imagining a recent, recently married wife <laughs> going out with the bucket to wash the kitchen floor and farting. Oh, there's a bucket. <laughs> We've got one of those <laughs> farting buckets. I've read about Marvelous. those. <laughs> yeah. It really does fart, doesn't it, my darling? It that d- was a huge it does. fart. <laughs> yes. I mean, the plaster on the ceilings is dislodged. Usually it does it when it's just... <laughs> I think you may have shattered one of the windows. The neighbours dived under their dining table. (laughs) The sirens have gone off. (laughs) Everyone's heading to high ground. All because of this bucket. (laughs) Incidentally, how much chorizo did you have last night, darling? (laughs) Just blame the bucket. Just blame the bucket. Oh. Uh, uh, finally, Tom, last two. We've got Takuri Korogashi, which is a sake bottle. <laughs> and a it... sake bottle. <laughs> yeah. All right, fuck off, mate. <laughs> you look good in that dress. <laughs> <laughs> Should listen to that fucking mole rat riding sand rat riding sandal, mate. <laughs> oh, well, lardy da. Look at you with your demon bucket. <laughs> No, the sake bottle, S-A-K-I, <laughs> that appears at the feet of completely sober people. Tom, I can't stress this enough. The sake bottle appears at the feet of completely sober people and then rolls away, causing them to chase it. <laughs> it will eventually seek out a body of water and lead the entirely sober individual into the body of water. <laughs> and finally, Tom, <sighs> and finally, and my favourite of all, I've saved the best to last, Zuno Hanzo are washtubs which like to seduce men for fun. <laughs> At least that's the excuse given when the guy's wife comes in and catches him wanking in the bath. <laughs> wanking in the bath? Of all the yeah. places you can have a wank, why would you do it <laughs> in a bath when you were... Sim- because of the demon washtub, Tom, that was looking at you all flirtatiously like. <laughs> With this voluptuous, I don't know, handle... <laughs> <laughs> batting his taps at you. <laughs> oh, I see. It's a sink. It's a flirtatious you know, it's a, sink. It's a flirtatious Crikey. bath. Oh, it's the actual bath is flirting with. Right. Yeah, well, I said wash tubs rather than bath because uh, the the professional writer in me doesn't like repeating one word in, two, in the <laughs> sentence. So. But actually, in this case, it just failed. A saucy bath. <laughs> a saucy bath. Wow. I'll show you my roll tops. <laughs> Get in here and... Wank yourself, stupid. <laughs> Honey. <laughs> Imagine a tap poking its head around the shower curtain. Hello. <laughs> I'm hot. Do you like to stick your dick in me? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, not to be recommended. I'm on by the cold tap. Yeah. <laughs> also, when the guy's wife comes in, what's the... Ex- how is that even an excuse? <laughs> I don't know how it got here. My dick's in the it's tap. Better to, it's better Better, yeah. Surely it's better just to say I was having a wank in the bath than I was seduced and cheating on you with my bath. <laughs> it's true. Now, would you help me, dear? My dick's stuck in the tap. <laughs> Fancy a threesome. <laughs> so there we go, Tom. I mean, there's there's literally hundreds and hundreds of these demons, but that's probably enough of a list for now. Oh, Basically, they just exist as an easy way of excusing the shitty human behaviour and character flaws by blaming it on assorted housewares. But the Japanese do take it very seriously, even to this day. And there's an interesting culture clash here, just to finish on. Because, on one hand, you don't want to keep old items around the house in case they start to haunt you. On the other hand, there's the Japanese concept of uh, motaini, or matayanai, which is avoiding needless waste. Essentially, waste not, want not. So Japanese people are torn between throwing out perfectly good stuff or being haunted by it. And the solution is that they hold special ceremonies at Shinto shrines to apologise to their old items for being thrown away. <laughs> Essentially, it's very common in Japan, genuinely still to this day, to go and pray for your old toaster, fridge, or crusty underwear with knackered elastic. <laughs> because the last thing you need, Tom, is to be tripped up trying to take off your possessed old undercrackers after a night three sakis to the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Do they turn up at these ceremonies? Is there like a row of uh, solemn... No. <laughs> <laughs> solemn shoes on rat back and uh, badger no, just, back. Just, it's just some fly tipping at the shrine, I think. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> a, saw, a saucy bathtub. <laughs> With really little legs. A bathtub full of jizz. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, saw Tom. That Guinness Book of Records, did you? <laughs> Well, Tom, it's very hard to quantify. You'd have to you'd have to measure it by liters. A day from, a day from Brisbane has been submerged in semen in his bath for twenty four hours now. Let's see how he's getting on. Well, Tom, I tell you what, it gives a whole new meaning to comic relief. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, over to you. Well, I I am not going to be able to beat that for stupidity. How did you come across that? Do you know what? I don't even know. I was about. Two hours deep in a desperate click hole trying to find something interesting to do with the number 100. Uh, I think I just searched for 100 in Japanese folklore. Because I tried 100 in a lot of different folklores to, yeah. to get there. It was it was actually really, really tricky. It was a very difficult subject. There's a couple of routes that I went down but didn't really go with it in the end. I thought, oh, I'm not quite good enough. Uh, the Tommy gun, here's an interesting one. Or the Thompson submachine oh. gun, also known as the Chicago typewriter. <laughs> I I've never heard it called it's that good, before. It? That's a great name. I thought it was a great name. Was that was invented about a hundred years ago? Ah. It's obviously strongly associated with Prohibition era Chicago gangsters, but interestingly, and Saving Private Ryan. Is it really in Shaving Ryan's Privates? Oh, it is. Wow, the Tommy guns are a standard stock weapon of all World War Two films. Oh, yeah, I didn't really realize that. Um, on a random yeah. tangent, they were also very popular with Irish Republicans. In 1921, mm. a batch was secured by the IRA and were used at the end of the Irish War of Independence and in the subsequent Irish Civil War. Yes. Even as late as 1972, Martin McGuinness was wandering around... <laughs> Will you just say hello to my little friend? <laughs> <laughs> um, even as late as 1972, Martin McGuinness was wandering around with a Tommy gun on Bloody Sunday. Oh. Here, Martin. May I come and offer I can't refuse? <laughs> Martin. <laughs> Mind you, Tommy Gunn sounds like a very Northern Irish name, doesn't it? Also, a uh, character from one of the Rocky films, isn't it? Uh, yes, I believe it is. Rocky Five. Good knowledge. I went on Project Gutenberg and I searched 100. I bet you got a lot of page 100s come up. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did discover something that is stupid, but not as stupid as uh, what you discovered, unfortunately. I discovered 100 proofs that the Earth is not a globe. By William Carpenter, Ooh. 1885. Ah, and how how many of those proofs are proofs? <laughs> well, I almost went with this one, but... <laughs> that sounds like it could be a great but one. But just couldn't bring myself to wade through so much shite in an attempt to find oh, the funniest come on, Tom. bits. I have done... I did a quick scan, so I've got a selection box for you. Oh, good. Of the 100 proofs... A milk tray of <laughs> shitty scientific <laughs> theories from the 19th century. Wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Of twattishness. I estimated that about 90% of them are variants on... When I look a long way away, it doesn't look like the Earth is curvy. <laughs> Let me uh, give you an example. Proof 17. Human beings require a surface on which to live that, in its general character, shall be level, capital letters. <laughs> and since the omniscient creator must have been perfectly acquainted with the requirements of his creatures, it follows that... Being an all-wise creator, he has met them thoroughly. This is theological proof that the Earth is not a globe. Yes, <laughs> apart from anyone who lives in a hilly town. <laughs> yeah. What am I to do? God damn. Oh, no. We are God forsaken. <laughs> Mary, Mary. Why did we settle upon the side of this mountain? <laughs> there are hills. Truly, we are in the gusset of the devil. <laughs> the church is down at the bottom of the hill. What are we going to do? <laughs> Why has God forsaken us so? Proof <laughs> 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 18. The best possessions of man are his senses, and when he uses them all, he will not be deceived in his survey of nature. It is only when someone, some faculty or other is neglected or abused that he is deluded. Every man in full command of his senses knows that a level surface is a flat or horizontal one, but astronomers <laughs> tell us that a true level is a curved surface of a globe. Ooh. They know that man requires a level surface on which to live, so they give him one in name, which is not one in fact. Ooh. Since this is the best that astronomers, with their theoretical science, can do for their fellow creatures, deceive them. It is clear that things are not just as they say they are, and in short, it is proof that the Earth is not a globe. 
<laughs> As we have discussed recently, it's it's common sense is is a fallback argument of choice for bigots. <laughs> yes, <laughs> bigots and people who have no evidence to back up their opinions. Yeah. It's just common sense that women shouldn't be allowed on the board of directors. Yes, or to drive, <laughs> <laughs> or to have the vote. It's just common sense. Just common sense. That said, I do think it is a valid argument in certain circumstances, like. It's just common sense that if you wash more frequently, you might get laid more often. <laughs> or it's just common sense that if you burp the Pink Panther theme tune whilst armpit farting in a restaurant on a first date, you might not get a second date. You might get laid more often. <laughs> <laughs> in Manchester, you might. <laughs> um, number 33. If the Earth were a globe, people, except those on the top, would certainly have to be fastened to its surface by some means or other, whether by the attraction... <laughs> whether by gravity. <laughs> <laughs> whether by the attraction of astronomers or by some undiscovered and undiscoverable process, like you say, gravity. But as we know that we simply walk on its surface without any other aid than that which is necessary for locomotion on a plane, it follows that we have herein conclusive proof that the Earth is not a globe. Did this man have any scientific qualifications whatsoever? No. And this is also yeah, okay. <laughs> 1885. I'm fairly sure gravity was well established by then. Uh, it, it was, yes. And Newton's quite a few centuries before, isn't he? Yes, I think by 1885 we're closer to the film Gravity being released than the discovery of gravity <laughs> as a concept. <laughs> yeah. Number 37. If the Earth were a globe, there would very likely be, for nobody knows, six months' days and six months' nights at the Arctic and the Antarctic regions, as astronomers dare to assert there is, for their theory demands it. But as, is, as this fact, the six months' days and six months' nights is nowhere found but in the Arctic regions. It agrees perfectly with everything else that we know about the Earth as a plane, and whilst it overthrows the accepted theory, it furnishes a striking proof that the Earth is not a globe. <laughs> Followed that one, did you? No. <laughs> um, I've got one more. You can edit out uh, as many of these as you like. Um, number 72. What, what a treat. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity to work. <laughs> Please, sir, may I have some more? <laughs> oh, edits. Here's edits, a edits, big edits. bowl of edits for you. <laughs> <laughs> Never before as a as a podcast producer asked for more. Number seventy two. <laughs> Astronomers tell us that, in consequence of the Earth's rotundity, the perpendicular walls of buildings are nowhere near parallel, and even the walls of houses on opposite sides of a street are not strictly so. But since all observation fails to find any evidence of this want of parallelism, which theory demands. The idea must be renounced as being absurd and in opposition to all well-known facts. This is proof that the Earth is not a globe. Wonderful. Done. <laughs> I don't know how big he Beautiful. thought the Earth was, whether he thinks the Earth is the size of a beach ball. <laughs> yes. And thus, it should be incredibly obvious. Yes, incredibly obvious, and also measurable by street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by, the, by the internationally recognised unit of street. Of where he lives. <laughs> yeah. Here are some nice newspaper reviews as well that he uh, he put in the book. This can be only described as an extraordinary book. His arguments are certainly plausible and ingenious, and even the reader who does not agree with him will find a singular interest and fascination in analysing the 100 proofs. The proofs are set <laughs> forth in brief, forcible, compact, very clear paragraphs, the meaning of which can be comprehended at a glance. I mean, they're certainly forceful arguments. They're not necessarily good arguments. <laughs> <clears throat> no, they're dreadful. Uh, I also um, stumbled across a wonderful game called Hunt the Slipper, <laughs> uh, which goes on those You'll find with... it riding around the house on a rat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And that was a Victorian-era game, <laughs> Hunt the Slipper. It's up, it's up the winking uncle's arse, I suspect. <laughs> Twiddling his moustache, winking, winking at the noose. Where's my slipper gone? <laughs> Hello? Slip a finger in, you might find out, love. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear me. I almost went for centurions, but that's too predictable. The Hundred Years' War was also far too predictable. Nothing funny happened in 100 AD or 100 BC, I checked. No, I tried both of those, and I also tried 120. I tried to go double. I tried to double up and go for the German 100. <laughs> <laughs> Still, nothing funny. 
No, no I did find a particularly corrupt uh, Roman senator who was quite entertaining. Well, the closest... Varus, I think, but... Uh... The closest I got was a Greek king who died of a pet monkey bite a hundred years ago. <laughs> but that nice. wasn't as funny as, uh, as it sounded. So I stumbled across a few others that I can't really justify with the topic, so I've pocketed them for another time. In the end, I decided to research events that happened on the 100th day of the year, which is suitably hmm. random. And I found yes. something that I thought was interesting and historically significant. The Ooh, Mount Tambora treat. eruption in 1815. Oh. The eruption just uh, didn't just happen on one day, but the biggest day of the eruption was April the 10th, the 100th day of the year, unless it's a leap year, which it wasn't. Excellent. Well covered. fact of the day, 1816 was a leap year. There's nothing inherently funny about it, but it's very, very interesting, very historically significant. Mount Tambora is an island in Indonesia, and when it blew, it blew big. It was an ultra-plinian super colossal eruption Ooh. the most recent one in fact <laughs> A7 that's what, that's, uh, do you know what those are exactly the same words that my wife used after that chorizo <laughs> ultra plinian super colossal <laughs> eruption <laughs> very garlicky now get out of the bedroom <laughs> <laughs> go and have a shower <laughs> Um, the most recent one, in fact, uh, A7 on the Volcanic Explosivity Index. So a really good one in a game of Volcano Top Trumps. Incidentally, yes, <laughs> the astute amongst you would have picked up on the categorization there. Ultra Plinian. Yes. The Plinian bit does refer to Pliny the Younger, who observed the eruption uh, of Vesuvius. That's a 79 AD Pompeii. And, all and he looked at it and he said, that is a... Proper Plinian eruption, that. That's ultra Plinian. <laughs> ultra well, it wasn't Plinian. Actually, it was an A6. I think it was a, a notch below Mount Tambora. So it wasn't even as big as Mount Tambora. Oh. Uh, but he described it in it's such... an A6. It's a small piece of paper. That's a postcard-sized eruption. It was, it was barely barely a pop. A5. <laughs> a5 Mount Tambora, a band poster of an eruption. <laughs> when you get to your really big ones, your A1 wall poster Krakatoas, that's when you know you're in big... I think it works Big the other boom way. Territory. I think it's the higher the number, the better. Unlike paper. Ah, uh, well, I'll shut up then. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, that was the eruption of Vesuvius. Not to be mixed up, confused with the eruption of Vitruvius, which was a culmination of the most boring night of passion than any Roman hooker ever had to endure. <laughs> Two cubits from my chin, at an angle of ninety degrees, you'll find my penis. Yeah, a quarter of a cubit backwards, you'll find a small hole. Don't go there. Camp Curry last night. A cubit <laughs> above the navel, you will find two protrusions around half a cubit apart. Please feel free to lick these. <laughs> a cubit is 45.7 centimetres. You're actually you're not, you're entirely off with your maths there. I know, it was thought through. It was... <laughs> that was a joke that was Googled. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You're... I know what a, cu- a cubit is from your elbow to your middle finger, isn't it? It is. It's about as far <laughs> yes. up an arse that you can shove it. <laughs> yes, which is as far as the uncle put the slipper. <laughs> <laughs> which is why he was winking so profusely. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yes, the slipper was tickling up against his prostate. That might have been the rat trying to escape. <laughs> A few pieces of fruit falling out. <laughs> Where's the badger? Let's play our favourite game. Hunt the badger. Da, 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 da. Oh. <laughs> Who's got the badger up his ass? <laughs> Who's got it the cupid up their ass? Where is the TB infested little shit? And how far has he shoved the slipper up it? Da, 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 da. Imagining the uncle just bending over and pulling it out and it's on the end of it's on the end of a washing line. Yeah. Pulls it out, pair of socks. Yay. Pair of undies. Yay. If that's how you celebrate, you're scoring 100. <laughs> the crowd will go wild. Oh, dear me. That's a gold celebration, isn't it? <laughs> Extracting his slipper at the crowd. The yellow card for taking your shirt off. Um, so, I'm afraid, pulling a patch out your arms, that's got to be a red. <laughs> anyway, Pliny the Younger describes events in two letters, and his descriptions are now the yes. reference point. Okay. <laughs> I survived. N-O. <laughs> Daddy didn't. Daddy's dead. Oh. Um, his father, Pliny the Elder, he died rescuing friends and family. Incidentally, eruptions of this size occur every 500 to 1,000 years. 
There you go. So to summarise, it was a big earth sneeze, a whopping squirt of Mother Earth's nipple milk, an ejaculation of the terrible sperma of terra firma. As a result... <laughs> nice. It was felt globally, although the locals probably... The terrible sperma of terra firma is definitely the episode title. <laughs> Lovely. Um, although the locals probably felt it the worst. 12... You, well, you'd think so. You would, you would think so. 12,000 people died as a result of the eruption itself. Then a further 80,000 in the local area died largely due to famine. Gosh. Now, because the eruption took place in 1815, when lots of people around the world were writing, there are shitloads of references to its effects. Unlike, for example, the eruption of Vesuvius, which only had one eyewitness writing anything down, and possibly, probably, the occasional fleeting, ambiguous reference in some Chinese scroll. For me, this means I had to quickly narrow things down. I couldn't spend my week sifting through newspaper clippings from every country in the world. Sorry, folks, I'm not that committed. (laughs) What I will say is this, the eruption led to what is known as a year without a summer in 1816. Not to be confused with the year without a holiday also known as a year without a cold, a year without being irritated as much by Joe Public, and a year without <laughs> neglecting a garden. That's 2020, isn't it? That is. <laughs> Back to the year without a summer. In a nutshell, the medium to long-term impact of the eruptions pissed around the world's weather. In 1816 and afterwards, there were floods in China and Europe, widespread pandemics and famines as a result, harvest failed in Europe due to heavy rainfall and unseasonal frosts, an ice dam formed in Switzerland, and in 1818 the ice melted and the water gushed forth, killing 40 people. And an Amsterdam formed in the Netherlands. Is that due right? Due to a large build-up of small rodents, yeah. Uh, what? An Amsterdam. Um, Amsterdam. 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 <laughs> Got you. Amsterdam. <laughs> Amsterdam. Oh, well. I... <laughs> Sometimes I don't know where to place my humour with you. <laughs> now that I get it, I like it. I like the image of a dam made of hamsters. <laughs> I don't know whether to go high or go low. So. <laughs> I, li- I like the hamster dam joke. That's good. Beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so brown snow was recorded in many places, ranging from Canada to Hungary. And if you've ever Brown been- snow? Yeah, if you've ever been told not to go near yellow snow... Yeah, was, yeah. Definitely avoid the brown stuff. There's a bit of a jostle there for the punchline. Oh. <laughs> so I, I backed off. I realised it wasn't my place and it was the same place you were going. So. Um, anyway, in the US there was heavy snowfall in the middle of the summer and frosts. They, this led to crop failures and more famines. Now, on to a few fascinating examples of the cultural impact of the Tambora eruption. Firstly, and this is fairly well known, Mary Shelley came up with the idea of Frankenstein in 1816 when on holiday in Geneva with her husband, they're also Lord Byron, the famous English poet, and a chap called John William Polidori. Due to the unseasonably bad weather, the group sat to stay inside and had a competition to see who could come up with the scariest story. Mary Shelley came up with Frankenstein, Polidori came up with The Vampire, Lord Byron came up with Fragment of a Novel, which was a vampire-based poem, and Mary Shelley's husband penned Funny Bones. That's... <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> in a dark, dark vault, in a dark, dark bank, in a dark, dark bank, in a dark, dark city, in a dark, dark city, in a supposedly neutral country, Nazi gold is kept. <laughs> <laughs> the Vampire by Polidori was actually inspired by Byron's poem. Final, very interesting cultural implication of uh, the eruption is the invention of the bicycle. I don't know whether you knew this one. No. So, yeah, you heard me. The invention of the bicycle. Carl Dreis... be directly attributed to the volcanic eruption. Oh, yeah. Yep. Carl Dreis was a German inventor who, in 1817, invented Love Machine, a.k.a. the Velocipede, a.k.a. the Dreising, (laughs) a.k.a. the Dandy Horse. (laughs) Oh, I've got some sugar lumps, have you? Oh. (laughs) Is that the best thing you've got? I am freshly farried and fabulous. <laughs> and for a clip clop. <laughs> this was basically a pedalless bike, an adult balance bike. And it was a response to the fact that so many horses had been killed in Europe during the Napoleonic Wars and the famines afterwards caused by Tambora mm. and exacerbated by the Years of War. Dreis thought that it was an excellent invention for getting from A to B quickly without horses. And you can imagine it now, can't you? The streets of London filled with smartly dressed lawyers, accountants, civil servants and politicians kicking themselves around on balance bikes with their little <laughs> Paw Patrol helmets on. <laughs> Whee! Like Boris Johnson. <laughs> Every day. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, the Boris bikes, yeah. Boris balance bikes. Uh, unfortunately, the Lauf machine didn't really take off due to the fact that the roads were so bumpy that it was about as good for one's pelvic floor as following a Joe Wicks workout after giving birth to triplets. <laughs> these early... Ooh, <laughs> the bitterness comes have back every dig, week. <laughs> have a dig. <laughs> so these early bikes... <laughs> Attack the successful man with words. <laughs> the pen is mightier than the squat. <laughs> <laughs> So these early uh, early bikes were being used on pavements or sidewalks, as our American friends like to call them, and causing all sorts of trouble. And if you've ever taken a two-year-old along a busy beach promenade on a balance bike, you'll understand. So there was shin shunting everywhere. <laughs> um, so they were actually banned in many areas. Anyway, in the subsequent decades, the Lauf machine evolved into pedal-powered bikes, one of the great global inventions. And one that could still revolutionise how we live, couldn't it, Sam? Particularly with global warming and an obesity epidemic. Well, yes. That's very interesting, Tom. Who knew that from one eruption could flow so much in... Lava. <laughs> yes. So much innovation and death and innovation. Well, exactly. And we might find that after all of the stresses we've had in the last year with COVID, we might there might be some little revolutions in society as a result. Yes. Little silver linings yes. to our... Very Jerry Springer's final thought, that. <laughs> silver, I was about to say little silver linings to our Jimmy Savile tracksuits. Um. <laughs> <laughs> to the Jimmy Savile tracksuit that was 2020. Let me rescue that for <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Marvellous. Well, that was excellent, Tom. Well done, you. So, so where, where, again, where was Mount Tambor again? Uh, Mount Tambor is Indonesia. Oh. You can, if you Google it, it's, um, it, it's quite clearly a volcano. <laughs> Marvellous. Should we think of a topic for next week? Um, a, a topic for next week? Um, I say, shall we think of... I had an idea earlier today. I've already texted you about it. You've already said yes. Oh, you did. Sorry, you did, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Something about dogs and shit. Yep. Yes, because... This is episode 100, obviously. So I was thinking this morning, oh, have I got any ideas for episode 101? And I thought, fuck, Dalmatians. And I thought, well, there's limited you things you can do with Dalmatians. Dalmatians. And once you'd finished your business, you thought, what <laughs> then, can I do with then, 101? Then after, I, then after I'd had my way with Pongo and the other one, <laughs> yeah. I, thought, let's, I thought, let's do dogs. <laughs> and 40 weeks later, there were 101 Sam Dalmatians. <laughs> Little bearded Dalmatians. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> with Marvelous. skinny legs. Uh. With little skin- <laughs> no, 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 no. Hang on. No. Skinny calves. Chunky thighs. Skinny calves. <laughs> like a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> like a no, that's that's good sound. Like a like an elite sprinter. Like an elite sprinting have- chicken. <laughs> like a horse. <laughs> Ask for horse. After a chorizo, certainly. <laughs> um- the tail flutters in the wind. <laughs> 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 Marvellous. Uh, yes, let's do dogs next week. Dogs. Dogs it is. Perfect. Man's best friend. Uh, apart from, obviously, Tom's. Don't like dogs. Well, that's, yeah, you're, you're your best friend as well, so my point stands. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, audience, thank you so much for tuning in to 100 episodes of this bizarre, shitty little podcast that we like to call <laughs> home. <laughs> Uh, if you'd like to catch up on uh, well you'll notice if you're on your podcasting app of choice that you probably haven't reached quite the hundred yet uh, but you can fill in the blanks by joining us on Patreon patreon.com slash that was genius where you can hear next week's episode on dogs which is going to be in the Patreon exclusive as well as oh I think about 20 20 something other episodes now as well as Tom's Doodles songs by me for each patron level and print at home medals <laughs> and you can find us at patreon.com slash that was genius uh, we release public episodes every other week and we release patron exclusive episodes every other other week so um, thank you thank you for 100 weeks of fun frivolity jollity I, I, you know, I love this little podcast you know apart from my beautiful daughter my wife there's very little joy in my life I don't uh, <laughs> <laughs> whiskey I, well yes <laughs> bench press more of a more oh, of a... you got your gym equipment <laughs> yeah got a new between house. whiskey and bench press yeah that's <laughs> You two, two other yep. children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, audience. We will see you next week. Thank you, everyone, for all of your support in the last 100 episodes. It means a huge amount. Uh, it would mean a huge amount more if you told your friends about us because we've been hovering around the same number of listeners for literally the last year. But yeah, fuck it. Tell your friends about us. Tell your friends about us. We would love it. 
love it if more people could go back and listen to our 100 episode back catalogue we really would in the meantime have a wonderful week and we will see our patrons next week and uh, oh should we actually should we think of a topic for the public in two weeks time we thought of dogs for the patrons hold on how many we got some from robert haven't we, we got we do whole... we got tons from robert yeah tons oh let me let me pull up let me pull up the file little people should we do little people <laughs> little people yes i'm not even sure that was one of robert's people. but let's do little people or or short things of history just little things Little weak. No, little people. No, little people. It can be anything small. No, I want little people. <laughs> well, you can do little people. <laughs> I'm starting to sound a bit I'm like going a to do. I'm no. going to do Liechtenstein. <laughs> you can do little I'm people if touring. you like. <laughs> I'm touring and I want little people. <laughs> I want my meals brought to me by little people. Like spinal tap. Not midgets, <laughs> not dwarves. Little people. <laughs> Whilst Tom throws a diva strop in true Mariah Carey fashion, audience, we will see you next week. Thank you very much. Sam and Tom out. Bye. Bye.